You're listening to The Cynic Weekly. If you enjoy our weekly podcast, you might be interested in finding out how to access even more Cynic content. By signing up for a full Cynic subscription at thecynic.co, you'll have access to Celtic-related podcasts throughout the week. For a monthly fee, you get access to a range of podcasts covering your favourite football club. We cover a range of topics from news and current events to the history of the club, analysis of games, player profiles, coverage of the women's team, quizzes and much more. We have our own app or you can download your private RSS link to podcast players. You can also access content via our website so you can listen in the way that works for you. To find out more, visit thecynic.co or email info at thecynic.co. We pride ourselves in being an independent platform. You won't be bothered by any outside advertising or folk trying to sell you stuff and you can cancel your subscription at any time. Thank you so much for listening to and supporting The Cynic. Welcome to the Cynic Weekly. We have returned, as have the wonderful, the glorious Glasgow Celtic. Uh, they return on Saturday. Uh, we are here. It's uh, Thursday, the 15th of December, 2022. It is bloody freezing, uh, but what are you going to do? I'm your host, Christopher Gallagher, and we are joined by Alan Edgar. Hello, Alan. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Um, it's very cold outside as well. So it's very cold outside. I was just making a joke. It's cold in here. Uh, is the ins- are you in I came for a heat setting? essentially yeah, okay. yeah that's the reason I'm here mainly for a heat and I've been uh, solely disappointed so far Aaron's wearing a t-shirt like he's in the band Weezer from 1996 uh, that's intentional you know <laughs> niche say Aaron say it ain't so mate say it ain't so ah we're also joined by I'm sure Eddie Walsh our friend Eddie will like that joke uh, we're also joined by Christopher Sormani hello Christopher how are you uh, cold, Christopher, inside this, uh, this is, it's getting, ice box, it's, basically. Come on, it's nice. It's not too bad. It's, you were you were complaining in the summer when it was hot, and now you're complaining when it's cold. Was I? Oh, you're fucking moaning. You're yeah, like good moan, though. Well, <clears throat> in this place that we record, you know, when the sun comes in, it does get too hot. <laughs> uh, and in the winter, when you don't turn the heating on, it mm. doesn't get very I turned hot. turned it on 40 minutes before we started recording. One bar. Uh, they're both up to 30 which Smashing colour gas fire I've got there right enough That's <laughs> a beauty Sorry, let's see if we can get through this Without <laughs> hypothermia <laughs> If I drop off halfway through, it's been a pleasure uh, Yeah, I mean I went to I went to the bother of making these coffees and teas but you know, Quite lukewarm as well <laughs> You boil the right. kettle once this morning now. Very good It's a pylon <clears throat> Uh, we've we've not recorded in a couple of weeks. Alan, thoughts on the World Cup? Have you enjoyed it? It's been uh, kind of the, the final. Obviously, is taking place on Sunday. Yeah, got to the the semis, which was great. But have you enjoyed the whole thing or bits and pieces? There's been some um, some really entertaining games. Um, obviously, a lot of big players have kind of bowed out now, and it's it's down to Messi and Mbappe, um, which obviously. I'd, Easily come down on the Messi side there. I would love it if Argentina did do it. It's been a good tournament, and I've I have seen most of the games to be honest. But it just it has lacked something. I know the games themselves have been very entertaining, but World Cups for me are always associated with a theme, and it kind of feels like there isn't a theme to this World Cup. Um, I know that feeds into a lot of issues that we talked about before the World Cup, and have been well covered that people have now decided to forget, which was always going to happen when the football's on. That's fine, but. Um, there just hasn't been a theme. There hasn't been the same atmosphere around it um, in the stadiums. Nothing outside the stadiums. So, it, if this, if it, you had this quality of match in any other tournament, then you'd probably be putting it up there. But falls kind of way short for me. But loads of entertaining games of football, and it's helped it a lot. Them have been on at times when it has no competition other than work. So there's only going to be one winner there. So um, yeah, I have enjoyed it, but it's it won't go down as a classic for me. It doesn't uh, it doesn't make it into the pantheon of a great international tournaments for me. Uh, Chris Samani, uh, obviously the next World Cup is going up to 48, ga- 48 teams. Um, yep. With expansion of that and expansion of kind of European football, is is it just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger in terms of competitions aren't going to be as elite anymore? And because it does dilute it, do you think that's going to kind of be the case? Um. I- 
I don't really know. I mean, eventually the cream rises to the top, you know, so you're going to, you know, you always want the best teams in the latter stages with a few surprises sprinkled in. That's always good. I mean, Morocco getting as far as they got was good. Um, I thought they were quite unlucky the way that they performed against France last night. Yeah. So it it could be the case, you know, if it gets bigger, you know, one thing that concerns me about the next one, the point that Alan made there about this, not having a theme. I've always had it in my head when the hosts go out of a tournament, it loses something. It just loses a wee bit just in terms of the the atmosphere and all that. That was never going to be the case, just about the nature of where the, the World Cup was um, and the support. And then your next one's going to be between Canada, Mexico and America. So you, you're, you're maybe going to get pockets of that, but it's not focused in one place. So It's not going to be focused in one place anymore they've said because it's so big and I think I think that will lose something because of that uh, in particular Um, so yeah I mean I think it's just football steadily over the years has been changing you know we've talked about it loads of times before don't need to go into it again but football and wise I think there's been some good games but you know couple it with the fact that it's happening in the winter and various other things it just didn't feel right it's never felt like something and then all the all the issues that's been that we're well aware of but you know, if you just if you're talking solely about some of the football and display, there's been some really good games, but you're probably not going to look back hugely fondly on it unless you know, if Messi if it becomes a Messi final, you remember that. But generally speaking, no. Yeah, I can agree more. Um, Celtic are back, Alan. Are you excited? Very excited. Real football. Um, I think the first couple of weeks it felt fine and it felt like a good break. Yeah. Way back when we were talking, when we were in. Um, oh, sorry when the team was in Australia but since then it really has kind of dragged a lot and it's the last two weeks particularly um, have felt like you're really looking for it to come back I, I do associate the festive period so much with football um, and obviously it will be back before that but it, it's just different and it, it has felt like a really really long break so um, excited a little bit um, a little bit nervous but I genuinely can't wait for Saturday and I really I know we're going to come on I really hope it's on and I hope that we get the game on and it's you know ideal conditions um, but no half past 12 Saturday at Pataudry for those that are lucky enough to pick it up they will be I'll not sleep the night before. Uh, or the we, night off, probably. We've got a full preview dropping on Friday. You can check it out at thecynic.co. Um, looking at Aberdeen uh, from a tactical point of view, speaking to uh, another Aberdeen podcast and getting the kind of lowdown on them. But Chris, uh, it's coming. They're going games are going to start to come thick and fast as well. Um, you happy with that? You happy with the fact that as soon as we hit the ground running, it's all kind of sales going because it's going to be a busy period. Yeah, much like Alan, it's, it, you know, when you pause for breath and you had it in your head, you know, the World Cup's coming on, so that'll kind of occupy you. It felt okay at the start, but you've just been kind of chipping at the bit for the real football to come back. One thing I will say, though, is that the World Cup has made us a wee bit out of kilter because you're normally coming into this period and it's at the extend of a, it's sort of at the end of a, an extended run of games mm-hmm. and it's almost like the finishing line's coming up. That's not really the case. We're kind of just starting again now. The squad should be rested, generally speaking, and be able to kind of attack that and deal with that. But just, you know, I, I like uh, I like consistency. You know, change, particularly <laughs> not something that I... I, I mean, I'm you've had the same of. haircut since secondary school, so... No, no, I had curtains back then, secondary school, much like yourself. I would love to see that. I, could show you, I can't show you pictures, but I'm sure you could show us pictures, Chris. Mm. Anybody go for the Simon Donnelly bowl cut back in the day? Chris yeah. Bowd. Bold Cup Bowdy, we used wow, to call him. That's oh. that's actually not a joke. We used to call him Bold Cup Bowdy, but um, um, yeah. So just the, the upper echelons of humour back at our school, back. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I so I completely agree with the, the the fact that we would be looking towards the finishing line, I guess, uh, in regards yeah. to before the the break that usually comes in January. But now we're kind of starting off. Do you think that gives? Uh, we're nine points clear. We finished the kind of before the break. We. We're playing really well. Well, we're certainly getting results as well. Do you think it gives Rangers a wee boost, the fact that we're coming back now? Alan, they got a new manager in, obviously. Uh, They're looking to play some beal ball. Um, Do you think it matters? Well, it it does matter. They were dire before the break. They were capable of putting in a really good performance, but they were equally as capable of putting in an abject performance. And... um, 
having seen a couple of those performances, I genuinely felt quite confident. So I think any change potentially brings um, could bring an uptick. Um, they, we were talking before, they do seem particularly confident. Um, and, you know, that's fine. You, and you get a new manager bounce. But, you know, I'm not going to speculate what the results will be, but... It does potentially change something for them. Um, they were they were really poor before the break, and you know we'll need to our analysts, coaches will need to take a look at them in the what, four games before we play them and see what they do differently. Um, because it's it might be a very different side that we face, but I think when you do give yourself, you know, that's the that side of it there that I've given is the I don't know how you would describe it the nice way of putting it that but the other way of putting it is we are nine points clear and our destiny is entirely in our hands and um, we've got three games against Rangers which everyone will look to but I think the league will be decided on the other games um, so I think from our point of view I mentioned Ella is a little bit anxious about coming back but I think that is because it has been such a long break and performances weren't perfect before we finished up so I would be hopeful, optimistic that we've cleaned that up a little bit we've already got two players that will be joining us very early in January which is good um, so I think we just need to look at ourselves and try and focus on what we can do um, and try and improve in our performances because I think there is a lot of room for improvement from what we were doing earlier in December um, so I think that's the hope and I think the players that we'll be looking to are players that were largely with the group for the last three weeks and that's really positive yeah. because there's a lot of work that will hopefully went in but you know Rangers are never better when they're not playing football and that's probably what you've heard over the last few days so you know just win on Saturday from our point of view and then see what happens elsewhere. Uh, here's just, I just need to read these, this quote out from uh, Barry Ferguson. Michael Beale <laughs> might be a thoroughly modern manager, but he's made an old school decision that had me beaming with pride when he announced it. You may think this is daft, but Beale ordering the Rangers squad to turn up suited and booted for home games from now on is massive in my eyes. Wearing a suit, collar and tie, and of course the brown brogues, isn't going to score you a goal when the match starts, but this is a statement about standards. I mean, it's... it's I, the reason I brought that up is because it's ludicri- ludicrous and it's hilarious. <laughs> so many thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. it's I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's. Do they think that? We like, will. I mean, that's the thing. As Celtic supporters, you know, that's something that we don't particularly understand. Now, Rangers fans would tell you that because. <laughs> We don't dress as well. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. But it is. It's a theme. It's something that's been talked about. And you're talking about standards, and and and, and it's almost like setting a level. See, to be perfectly honest, there's subtext there, right? I mean, it, massive subtext. There's there's a hell of a lot of it. But this is a guy. I mean, you don't read in when Barry Ferguson. You know whoever writes his column, puts it in the paper, you don't really pay attention to it because, as Chris Sutton had said, this is a guy who, what, six months ago, you know, if not less, said that Van Bronckhorst has got um, Angie's number. Yeah. So it's just it's, it's just drivel. I mean, it's something that we'll have a laugh at. But as you said, you know, they're never better when they're not, you know, when they're not playing football. The proof will be in the pudding, you know. Part of me with this appointment as well is, you know, that old adage, you, you know, you don't go back. Adage. Adage, whatever you want to call it, sorry. Apologies. Jeez, I'm going to pull him up. For it's, some a cold, it's a cold, mate, it's a cold. It's fucking your head. It's my teeth it. chittering. It's, you'd never go back in football. And as much as it was Gerard that was the manager, people have been talking quite regularly about how the brains behind the operation was built and they've essentially appointed him to go back to what they perceive as a period of success a couple of years ago when they won the league. That's a risk. It's a guy who doesn't have the the presence that Gerard had, you know, for his playing career. Quite clearly there's some appeal for his, you know, his coaching ability and you know it might, it, it might work out, but they've literally reverted back to that because what they moved on to didn't work out, but they're doing it without somebody who's got that presence that Gerard did in terms of his, his playing career. And you're going on a guy who's really just managed 20 league, league games of football in his, in his entire life. So some of the, the, the press has been, you know, kind of over the top, but the proof will be in the pudding in terms of, 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 of how they play. And, and I'll just say, you know, right now I'm still highly confident that, you know, we've got a better squad and we're able to take care of that. But, 
we'd have to completely write them off. In spite of the suits. Did we mention the suits? And the brogues. The brogues, of course. I'd imagine it would be fairly you're, difficult you're, to play you're, football you're, in you're, fucking brogues, by the way. You just want to give it your time. I just think... No, no, no. I just I, I just thought it'd be funny to highlight it because if you look at... I was, I just think that, see, if you look on social media and you look at these articles that the Daily Record and all that put out, it's done to I mean, really get clicks. I mean, yes, of, of that's course. exactly what it's... Yeah, like. no, that's what I mean. No, the whole thing is basically based around, let's outrage Celtic fans so they'll be talking about it. Yeah. And we're talking about it, you're right, so let's move on. New article on the cynic next week about Celtic's um, attire when we turn up are polo shirts technically collars <laughs> you could do a Mac from Always Sunny and wear a tie with the polo shirt and a duster options if they like suits so much they should wear them when they play that's my opinion <laughs> on it dress them up like Jacob Rees-Mogg as a child <laughs> is that almost a challenge play. Alan? yes I'm, I'm laying down the gauntlet I love it uh, let's start with the opening question uh, this came in from we've got some questions what uh, is your favourite type of shoe? is that the first question? <laughs> Winkle uh, picker it's uh, Sannies. Sannies. Um, no, just trainers. I couldn't think of a joke. That's unfortunate. No, I couldn't. What would you call the uh, Chuck? Converse. Yeah, Converse. Opening question is from Michael. <laughs> <That's a trainer. laughs> the joke was not worth the wait. <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, Chuck Taylors. That's what they're called, aren't they? Uh, okay. Opening question trainers. is from uh, is from Michael. Um, we've got a number of questions. Thank you to everyone who submitted uh, the questions. Um, Michael asks, if you could receive 10 million quid for Giacomacchus, but it's on the basis he leaves on the 1st of January with no guarantee of a replacement, do you accept it? So, um, it's been reported the last week or so that Celtic will be looking if they're going to... So there's a lot, a lot of ifs and buts about this story, but there was a story released that said Celtic value him at 6 million quid, which is just almost about double what we paid for him. But if you could get 10 million quid with no guarantees that we're going to get a replacement, do you accept the money? Chris? No, because we would need a forward to complete the season. Going, for, You know, I mean, it's... We've got Kyogo, we've got Giacomacchus, they've both got different strengths, different weaknesses. Giacomacchus is a forward who I think if you made, if you got £10 million for him, that would, should and could be viewed as good business, and especially if you're then looking to kind of... He's a sort of player who I like and a lot of us like, but you would never think he's irreplaceable. Yeah. I mean, nobody is, but you know what I mean? He's not somebody who you would think it's going to be really difficult to replace him. Well, so, see, just to jump in on that, we, we've talked, Alan, you were talking on the agenda about that price bracket. So we brought in uh, Gigi for 3.2 or 3.5 million quid, I think it was. But it was less than that. Oh, maybe two it's and a half, yeah. yeah, two and a half, right. Um, but that bracket of, let's say, two to three million quid, you're shaking, you're shaking your head at now, Alan, because it's been pretty disastrous for us. Very rarely has someone came in and, and did, don't get me wrong, not, not every player, but players usually come in and they don't kind of leave a mark with a lot of these so when you say he's easily replaceable, not not easily replaceable, but he's someone that we look at and replace. I, I'm just wondering what what market you go back to because it's worked with Gigi, but it's it's kind of been quite a bit of a failure for us in the past. So I I I just if you got if you did get a significant amount of money, what market do we do we go to? Do I dip our toe in? That's up to the, the scouting and the coaching team to try and identify that. Now the managers thus far not signed too many duds, shall we say? So. You've got to kind of just trust in them to do that. Now, Jack and Marcus, you, you could do that. You could go, we've signed so many guys like that. We've signed Skepovic, we've signed Bangura, we've signed, you know. Baldi, Amido Baldi, you know, and then we've even taken some punts on free transfers. Like Timo Pukki didn't really work Timo out Pukki, as well. uh, Colin Kazim Richards, you know, you're actually going through here and thinking of players and think, I can't even remember them playing for us. But, you can't really think, you know, do we necessarily then have to go and and pick up a player in that price bracket? It's about making sure that you're doing your work properly and you identify somebody. Now, if you spend two and a half million on Jackie Marcus and then bring 10 million in for him, surely you're going a few million quid up that kind of price bracket to try and bring somebody in. It might work, it might not work. But if you go down that route, you would never sign anybody. So I, I just think... Uh you're what, just you're just scared, Christopher, aren't you? Uh, like a three a three million pound that's a weird thing to say. Like a three million pound player concerned. I'm very concerned. A, a three million pound player, like that market seems to have moved and shifted with like everything because prices are going up. Alan thoughts? Yeah. Um, sorry, when you said prices are going up, there I just cut back to Liz Truss and I was <laughs> about to immediately blame um, Vladimir Putin's illegal war in of Ukraine, course. of course, which is uh, largely blamed for everything. Um, 
I think if you do, I mean, ten million, I think for GG would be that would be real premium. Um, the no guarantee of a replacement is is the way it was worded is quite concerning. But if you handed Celtic ten million on the first of January, I'm conscious that the first of January is the day before naturally um, falls before the second of January, which is a huge game. But you've got to think, you've got to hope that you would be able to use that money. Um, I, I agree entirely. I think the two point five to three million range for strikers of peak age, you're you're not getting real quality there unless there is. Um, an unknown market out there, or there's a contract situation, or there's another Jackie Marcus. Yeah, and you know he has he has his flaws to his game as well as does Kyogo. So I, I do think over the last maybe two or three months there's been a real shift in our mindsets as as fans as to what we want from a striker. I don't think people now want competition just for Kyogo. I think a lot of people are now looking at it thinking to kick on and really push on. We maybe need to look and actually bring in what we hope will either become a top striker or, or very nearly as a top striker at the moment. And, you know, that then means you either spend big on a youngster or you're going into an unknown market. You know, we've talked about that before with, you know, different leagues. You're not going to be able to spend five or six million and get a top striker in Europe. It's just not going to happen. The only caveat to that would be if they're maybe 19, 20. And again, that's a market that's entirely cornered. So you are going to have to be creative. You are going to have to spend money. Um, do, you and, think, do you think Jack Marcus has got a claim to be starting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, look at his goal return. Probably fairly, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but fairly similar to Kyogo, I would imagine. I think, um, but I think they've both, I think what we've seen over the last three, four months is that I think, in my opinion, Kyogo brings more to the team, but they both have limitations that at times can be glaringly obvious. I think mm. Gigi outside the box largely um, is a non-event and sometimes can become entirely distracted with battling with defenders. And Kyogo um, can struggle to get himself into games. And I think you can sometimes see when he is struggling to impact it. And I think when you look at the quality that we've got you know, around them and behind them, I think you are looking for a striker that just to be the real tip of that spear. Um, I think Kyogo has a claim to say that he could get back to the level that he performed at last year. Yeah. But again, the age of them both, I think you would be looking at someone, if you are looking at a two to three year cycle and you are looking at having a tilt with the Champions League, I think we need a better striker than them both at this stage. Mm. I, I maybe hold that and maybe it is slightly, maybe a bit of sympathy for Kyogo, but I, I think he maybe deserves another chance, you know, at that Champions League level. But if you were to say to me just now, you know, you can bring in someone who will execute better at, at the higher level, then I, I would take that. And I think it will cost money and it will need to either be a very young player who takes time to get up to the level we want, or it will have to be from a market that is just um, undervalued because the idea that we'll bring in a top striker from Europe, I think it's just, it just yeah. seems pie in the sky, to be honest. I mean, the, the, some of the links that we've had over the last month since the World Cup's been on, generally speaking, have been players from untapped markets or less tapped markets if you will you know the forget his name the South Korean striker yeah. um, Cho and you know there's been a few other links in, in t- typical of being a Celtic fan you're looking at markets and you're talking about tapping into these markets but then you're you're, you're looking at some of the leagues that they play in and going is that going to translate and things like that so it's you've always got that you know because of the expectation level at the club but it does seem as if we're trying to do that it's something that's certainly worked for us you know, obviously from the Japanese league, the players that we've brought in, um, you can't just keep going back to that well. But it looks as if there is, however rudimentary or not it might be, that it looks as if there is a, a wider scouting network linked into the club that are looking at, at markets such as these. And that might be somewhere that we can kind of, we can get a striker of that calibre or closer to the calibre that we need for the money that we can afford. So. I think just the other side of that as well, obviously we're actively looking in other markets, which is a real positive, which is what we need to do. But I think on the flip side of that as well, I think players and players' agents will now be looking at Celtic thinking there is a real platform there. There is, you know, to use that, there is something happening there. Mm. That is a team that play, that will create opportunities for strikers and they play hopefully a minimum of six games at Champions League level. Yeah, probably one of maybe four teams outside of obviously Europe's elite that players would like to go and play there because they think 
and broadly Gigi will think it, Kyogo will think it, they'll think that is a place I could go and could score Champions League goals. Yeah. And that's that's another option. Obviously, agent recommendations are something that come with a lot of caveats and a lot of people don't like it. But you know, you pair those two together and you might have that <coughs> option and it does help in the importance of having a manager in place and a club in place that has some sense of direction. I think, especially when you're dealing with players who have four, five, six, seven options in the table, that's massive because the money will be largely the same across. If a Premier League team comes in, that's fine, but we're not competing with these teams generally. But if you are competing with you know a number of other clubs across Europe and you do have a manager that has that vision and can dictate exactly what he wants to do and it's not vague and you can sense that there's something happening, you've got a young squad, really talented players, it, it does help because what we've also talked about how hard we don't pitch well to players and maybe we don't pitch well to our own young players and that's why they've left. If you can do that properly and actually show these players what you want to achieve, players will look at it and they'll say, we could go to Celtic, we could be there for 12 to 18 months and I could get the move to the Premier League, which is quite simply the land of milk and honey. That's massive. Yeah, I, excellent points. Uh, we've got Juranovic who has been linked away, obviously, we, you know... Um, We've been covering this on the Cynic.com podcasts every single day, um, so we have covered this in depth over there. Uh, check it out. You can sign up uh, on a monthly basis or annually, um, so check out the Cynic.co. But we, we've obviously brought in uh, Alistair Johnston, who I thought was very eloquent and came across very well in his press conference. We had Keith McGinty there, who asked a couple of great questions. Um, and that has led, obviously, speculation that Juranovic, who's still under contract, will be leaving. He performed incredibly against Brazil. He's been, you know, one of the best. Uh, he's one been one of the best Croatian players. He's been one of the best players at the World Cup. You could argue. Uh, Torino have there's been noises around Torino. Chris, he's shaking his head already. Um, there was rumours. I saw the rumours from someone, uh, an Italian transfer guy, guru guy, saying five million quid. Torino had kind of. Is uh, that Romano? It wasn't. It wasn't Fabrizio Romano. It was uh, Darazio, I think it was. Um, and anyway, it's just, there's a lot of, obviously there's going to be a lot of nonsense put out about, you know, low-balling figures, but would Torino be a good move? They're, what, ninth in Serie A, mid-table in Serie A? He wouldn't want to go there, would he? No. I mean, it, we've had a conversation earlier in the season talking about levels. I think it was just after the start of the season, you know, when he was linked with Chelsea, he was linked with Atletico Madrid, and you're thinking maybe that, that link isn't going away. The Atletico Madrid one seems to be quite... There might be something in it, um, but you have it in your head that's a wee bit fanciful in terms of the levels that we've seen him at or whatever. Now, I still I think Juranovic at this World Cup has shown how incredibly talented he is, Yes, but he's also still shown some of the weaknesses that he has. There was a couple of games where, you know, positionally sometimes he's not quite been there, but hopefully nobody's noticed that and <laughs> they've, they've, they've just noticed the positive attributes about him. But... Whether or not you think Atletico or Chelsea is a wee bit too high or a bit fanciful for him, Torino's too low. It's too low. The, the, the difference between them is like, I mean, you're talking about them being ninth in Serie A, you know, they're, they're just a, a middling Italian football club at the moment. You know, I know they've got a, a, a great history previously. I'm not disparaging Torino football club totally, but they're, they're not a, a side who, for, for a guy a supposed in-demand right-back who's just starred at the World Cup and got to the World Cup semi-final. You know, that's not the level that I think of club that he should be attracting. So for me, you know, it's one of these ones, maybe they've shown interest or it might just be something that's getting put out there. But if I was him, I would be setting my sights a wee bit higher. When, when you come to Celtic, there's there's no question, we, we, Alan, you were just making points about it there, that Celtic could be a stepping stone to the land of milk and honey, the English Premier League, or it could be a stepping stone to what would be a, a club in a bigger league, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think going from Celtic to Torino is a sideways, sideways step. You know, I, I don't think it makes sense. See, see, at his age as well, as a guy who kind of... We, we picked him up from Poland. He's came here and he's played quite well. But he's what twenty seven, nearly twenty eight. Yeah, you know, at this stage, you, you you don't really want to be taking a move like that. He wants to be getting 
cash on the table and going to play at the highest level he possibly can, I'd imagine. Uh, there's a question. I'll, I'll, I'll bring in the question first, um, unless you get there. Sorry. No, it's fine. Crack on. Uh, Andrew asks, uh, Torino have bid 5.2 for Euro. Obviously, that's beyond derisory and the offer should be left on, on red. But in a world where average players in top leagues go for tens of millions, if the rumour rumor of only 10 to 12 for Euro are true, is it even possible for us to dream of competing consistently in the Champions League while our potential is weighed down but so much by the quality of the Scottish League? Um, he just says at the bottom I guess the question is what is the Scottish League tax that we have to pay when selling a player yeah I mean it is significant if you know good question you, you analysed it well he's been the good has outweighed the bad very heavily at this World Cup he has been largely excellent um, and a really standout performance if that had been a player who was available in the market for a bottom six English club, then I think you probably would be looking at 20 million. Um, do you, do you think, what do you think we'll get? I think 12 to 15 probably is still reasonable. Um, and I know a lot of people will think you should get more. And if you do get more, happy days. It, the reality of the market, though, is that there is a significant tax because you play in Scotland. And the only alternative to, well, we're not accepting that, is, is that you keep the player. If the player wants to go, then you've got to move the player on. Um, and there is no better time to do it than now. Um, I get that, obviously, we've got a, a title to to win, but you've got to turn players over when they're at their maximum value. And I think you have to have faith in you know the player that you've recruited <coughs> to be you know his replacement. So I think... There is a discussion there. If he and the same goes for Gigi, if they both think that they want to go, you need to move them on, you need to do it quickly. Um, they're both at their peak value, I would say, since they've been at Celtic. Um, JJ, particularly because of the World Cup. Um, but there is a significant tax for playing in Scotland. I know it's not fair. I know it's not what what difference does it make, what league they've been playing in, but that is just how the market works. Um, you know, People have pointed out Tierney money was twenty five million. Tierney was significantly younger. Um, still got speed to come. I think whoever's buying JJ, they're going to get two years of him at his best. Um, now, some teams might value that highly, and they might have a huge need for a international quality right back. But you know, teams like Torino, you know, you look at their history over the last few years. They are not a big spending club. They are not going to spend. They're, they're not going to spend ten million plus they're unless there is a real structured deal there. But you would really question the. How wise that would be to structure a deal over four or five years for a 20 Yeah, their record transfer fees smaller than ours. So, I mean, and, and if you're talking about it, even if they were breaking that and it was structured, you know, slight disagreement on, you know, how Juranovic, maybe I'm just bitter, you know, in terms. <laughs> I thought, no, he has been excellent, you know, but I, I suppose what I'm saying is see some of the flaws that we've seen about him. I still think they were evident. Maybe yeah. I noticed them because I've seen them. So I'm not kind of. Get down on how, how how good he performed, um, but he perf- he's performed at a certain level there where you've got to think that he's going to have more than one offer in the table. So if he's then going to Torino, there's something wrong there. So for me, it just doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. It, it does. When I seen it this morning, it does stand out as just bizarre. They don't look like a team that want to spend a three figure, a, you know, a ten million plus on a fullback. And say what you like. He's, he's not leaving for five million euros. That, that's not happening. <laughs> We're keeping him. If- you, you would be. I don't think. I think Celtic are. I think we are aware enough to know that his value is at a minimum, and, and I do mean at an absolute minimum. You know, ten million euros plus. Um, I think if you get ten million euros, I don't think I'd be happy. Why is he, why is he saying it in euros? <laughs> I've adapted to the our new European overlords, Christopher. I don't know if you get the memo. <laughs> um, the, the pound is fucking worthless, mate. So I've just shifted entirely. Um, I, I think. We are aware enough to know that you'll get more than ten million of pounds. whatever currency. <laughs> Christopher Samani advocates for the British pound. Um, I, th- I think we're aware enough to know that, and clubs will. I think the club that buy him will probably be the ones that aren't linked with him at this early stage. Mm. He's not. I mean, he's still in the camp with Croatia. I don't think any deals will be done, but I do think if he is as keen to move as is reported, I think it will be done before he's definitely, he reports back to Glasgow. He's definitely away. In January, I don't think it's out with the realms of possibility that he stays for the summer, on the proviso that he knows he's going in the summer, or, or it might very well be that a club turns around to him and says, no, "We'll we'll structure a deal, or we're wanting to, we're wanting to bring you in, but not right now." That's potentially possible. He's going though. I mean, they didn't we didn't buy Johnston for 
no reason. You know, it was very apparent with all the links for him going and then us bringing uh, Johnston in. It's very apparent that he's going. Yeah. But I don't think it's completely... I wouldn't be completely shocked if he was still here at the end of January. I would just be on the basic assumption that he's definitely going in the summer. Mm-hmm. I'd prefer that. But at the same time, as we've always said, and we've learned our lessons from recent years, see so if he doesn't want to be here, <laughs> you know, time to go. See, if he goes in the gang, and if he... Money-wise, because football and memory memory and football can be quite kind of quick football can move on very quickly is what I'm trying to say and so do you think there'd be a drop off Alan between the money we could get from him and Jay is this the yes. opening time like, yeah. I think there'd be a big drop off I think the idea of 15 million at the moment I think if you were to wait to the summer that's six months I think you would be looking at significantly less you know as much as a, a third off potentially um, so I think it's just a good time to do it. We have signed a replacement. We've got faith in Anthony Ralston. Well, I have faith in Anthony Ralston, you know, to, to do a job in over this kind of festive period. Um, uh, yeah, I just think it's the right time to do it. If, if you want to become the club that sells at maximum value and reinvests it, then now is the time to do it. After I'm having a very successful World Cup and being a semi-finalist, see if you can't sell them now at peak value, then... I don't think the summer's the right time to do it. I'd just do it now. But he's a, he is a top player and personally I wouldn't be upset to watch him here but I, I think there's just more benefit to selling him. I'm just worried that the pressure that's going to be on Alistair Johnson to come in it might be a little bit... It, it's going to be quite a lot, to be fair. Can I just lastly on Juranovic say that Atletico Madrid does seem a wee bit maybe just pushing it. They don't mind age the same way. Um, and... Just imagine how much a prick he would be in a city on the team. <laughs> I mean, I probably would start tuning back into. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what uh, Spanish football is on now. I live in sports Premier, or whatever it is. Premier, Premier. I think, oh, yeah. fuck. My relationship with Premier oh, will sorry. never end. <laughs> Via play it is now, actually. Oh, oh that's what it's called now. We got another question. Um, so rebadged at your fool. <laughs> rebadged at your fool. Uh, Celtic have been linked with uh, Valladolid's 18 year old right back, uh, Ivan Fresnada. You know what that tells me? Johnson's shite. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I saw links, uh, you know, I think Celtic's name had been linked in a report. I then kind of did a wee bit of digging today and you're talking about 50 million quid. I've seen uh, Arsenal are interested in... Anyway, but it did lead into an interesting question from uh, David, I believe. Yes, David McClement. Um, with us being linked with another right back and Ivan Fresnada, does that mean Ange wants three full backs for each side? I've not seen us linked with any more left backs, but, you know, there could be a potential future from Adam Montgomery or Liam Scales. Um, can I, is it a case of bringing in enough, like, you know, a couple of fullbacks or maybe he doesn't see uh, Ralston as someone who is a long-term future? What's your thoughts, Chris? Could exactly just be that. I mean, Ralston, you know, we've covered Ralston. I think everybody's feelings on him are pretty clear in terms of you know where he is now from where he was, and but his overall ability and the ceiling that the, that he's got. Nobody's going to have a problem with Alston being in and about the squad, but it is entirely feasible that you know, especially with a fullback role, which is so important to the system, that if you can identify somebody at decent value, potential resale value, who's going to improve the squad overall, then you'll bring them in. So, I don't necessarily think that means that we're now looking to have three fullbacks for each side. It just might mean that as much as, you know, there's kind of love for Ralston overall in terms of how he's turned himself around, it might very well just mean that ultimately we think that we can do better, even with a backup choice going forward. So that's that's potentially there. Nobody, I don't think, is in a major rush or desperate to get rid of Ralston or anything like that. That's not the case. But, you know, the manager might think, you know, just tick up in each position, you know, and it's that way. If you can spot somebody that's good value, just bring it forward. There's no there's no room for sentimentality in football. So Especially with Ange Postacoglu, which I'm very happy yeah. about, to be fair. Um, Scott Robertson has come out uh, and he was talking, he's been told he's, he's not going to be offered a new contract and he's um, he's going to be moving on. Uh, and just a quote from him, um, ever since the gaffer came into Celtic, he's spoken about trying to build something special. Part and parcel of that is bringing in new players and others will leave. It's a brutal business and this January we'll see others come and go and it's just the nature of football. I wouldn't use the word frustration over my attempts to become a first team regular, but you're always told as a young player here, you need to be better than all the all of the other players who are brought in. It's, um, you know, it, it seems like a, a player who's probably
probably going to have a, a good career in football. It's just not going to be at Celtic. He's highly rated. Uh, he's he's seems really like a, he's a nice guy as well. Uh, it led to a question from Brian asking, you've mentioned how hard it is for players to go from the academy to the first team and we've seen so many players leave the academy for other big academies. My question is, how important is it to you, Alan, Chris, mm. how important is it to you to have young Scottish Glaswegian players in and around the squad or would you rather you just had the best players available? Do you think there is a need for... Uh, we live in a very uh, uh, football, you know, you very rarely see kind of teams full of players from that country or situation with the exception of a couple. Do you think it's important to have a sort of Scottish backbone or Scottish or Glaswegian or, you know, Irish or would you like that? Or is it a case of I don't care who plays for Celtic as long as they've, they play the Celtic way and they've got the kind of ability? But I think I'll... Basically, you want the first team to be as strong as it possibly can, and if, if that means that it's players from all over the world, then you know, and that's largely the way it has been. But I think we have always managed to have players in or around the squad who have come through the academy, and I think it, I think it is important. I don't know so much about it being Glaswegian, or I think it, if you've got players that have been at the club for a significant number of years, then they understand what the club means to players fans they've got you know a good grounding in what we think the club is and obviously we have very high opinions of of what the club is and what it means to us so whether they're from Glasgow Edinburgh you know Dublin Cork (laughs) Belfast I don't particularly care but I would like to always have players that have come through the the academy in the first team um, we're very, very lucky at the moment. A captain is one of those players, um, and he's a, an obvious choice for it. But you know, guys, like, you know, we're, we're talking at the moment about Tony Ralston. They have made an impact. There is always, and there always has been players in and around the team who can do that because they train the same way as all their players. So I don't think you'll always be as lucky. It will be your captain, um, and obviously there is a slight dearth of, of talent at the moment because, as Brian mentions, a lot of the top talents went elsewhere. Uh, but it is, imp- I suppose to answer the question, it is important to me that we have players in and around the first team that have at least been in the academy, you know, from a, a relatively young age, whether that's, you know, you know was, I think Carl McGregor was about eight when he joined yeah. the Celtic ranks, you know, 12, 13, as long as you, I, I would like at least one or two players that, you know, have come through the academy. I think it means a lot and I think it's a huge marker. I think the, was it Jonathan Bunce had mentioned the motto, of the um, academy was to develop what was it Champions League level players and yeah. I think it helps and it is a huge it's a huge thing that they can point to if you have a player that is you know out there in a Champions League night and he is one of the first 11 that's out there but you know squad players are as important as well and I think that's what somewhere we fall down we always want the play we, we want the academy to create the best player on the team but you know over the next couple of years having the academy contribute to the first team with two or three players a year would be a huge boost and I think that's probably in the short term at least probably a more realistic target than you know we want the next um, Lionel Messi to to be coming through Lennox Town because it's not looking too likely at the moment Chris thoughts on that Um, I mean see in terms of the the Scottish or the the Glaswegian angle on it I mean we've kind of always had certainly I mean before McGregor you had Brown and even when you get through back down that, you've had like McManus or stuff. So we've always kind of had it. So for me, it's you would have to go for a period without it to gauge its importance. But I do, would I would can I agree with Alan that I think that having people around the squad, even for a period of time, even if they're not from you know Glasgow or whatever, you know, it does benefit that just in terms of what the club means and in, in terms of carrying that forward. So. I don't really, I, I, I couldn't say conclusively, but because we haven't had it, but it's it's one of those it's one of those things that I think it, it, it certainly helps if they've got the, the knowledge of that. Going back a wee bit, you know, in, in the original point about Robertson, I mean, the thing about Celtic is the level of players we produce is a good level. And I suppose what we're looking for as a support is that higher level where we're maybe producing more players who are able to go straight into the first team or you know, very quickly kind of develop onto there, you know, and, and then make an impact at that level. But there's examples. One of the most one of the most uh, obvious ones from the World Cup, Jackson Irvin. 
Aaron Moy, you know, played really, really well for Australia, but I thought Irvin was absolutely terrific for Australia on a couple of occasions as well. Now, he's a guy who, I think he played once for us. He came through the youth squad. He's... Played for Scotland under 21s. He did, he did. He, um, but he would be considered a, an academy player, I guess, because he was at Celtic for most of his youth career. Yeah, I, I would say so, and I suppose you could look upon that as a badge honour, but the point here is there are guys who come through and... Not only, there'll be some who'll be able to play at a certain level, but there'll be some that will develop and go up a wee bit later. Irvin at the level he was with us was probably never going to get in there. And just the way that we are as a club, you're not going to have the patience to keep guys like that around for yeah. too long to get to the level that he is at just now. They might not have the patience either. Exactly. So I suppose what I'm saying about, with regards to, to that, we do produce players, some of whom come into our team, some of whom, um, what's that? <laughs> I didn't mean to distract you, sorry. Yes, you very much did distract me. That's unacceptable. It's an advert for Christmas party food. There we go. What it is. The, the, the point being is, I suppose as a support, we are producing players, but we probably want to produce them at a higher up level um, than, than, than we're getting just now. That's what we're craving. And I think that's the next step. And Just on that exact point, I know we've talked about this before, and um, I think it feeds into two things. One, the, a real decision needs to be made on what we're doing with the B team as well because that's a huge thing yeah. and having them if you've got real talent there it is no wonder how it does not matter how big of a Celtic fan you are if you spend more than three four months having to play against Stirling Uni Edinburgh Uni you know junior teams that really aren't at the level that yeah. you are aspiring to be you are going to be frustrated and move on two or three months the best you can the biggest compliment you could give it is that what it might do is it might show you what the other side is and people who work hard to be able to play a game of football a week you know they do a shift during the day and then they go and play you learn a little bit about and it might scare you potentially because you think that you want to be up here but actually there's a lot of players at that level that are really good that didn't make it and it's a very fine line so there's a decision that needs to be made there on no players like you know Jackson Oven you can go way far back I always remember guys like Ross Wallace and Paul Caddis They, they carve out really really good careers for themselves they're not Celtic standard, but they're really good players. And I've always, I always think that there's, a, there's an element there that, with some players, you do wonder how do we monetize that, and how do you make sure those players continue to develop. Then you know, probably in your heart, of heart that they're not going to be a top player at Celtic. But can you give a player an extension for two, three years on the basis that you loan them out to Championship teams, League One sides in England, allow that development to continue, so teams do see that there's a player there. You're not going to sell him for seven, eight million pounds, but you know if you sell an academy player for one point five million pounds, the amount that that can reinvest back into Lennox Town is significant. But we've never done that because Scott Robertson at the moment is a good example. They just they don't feel that we have the capacity at the moment to say we're going to keep you on, but we're going to loan you out. You know that's what big sides do. Um, you know Chelsea, Man City have done it for years. They, they're doing it at a higher level, but there is a there is another level that you can do that at. And, I wouldn't be surprised if Scott Robertson goes down and ends up having a really good career down south as a championship player, League One player, where there is a lot of money and teams would be quite keen to buy him. He's leaving in a free. And it's one of those ones I think that's way down in Celtic's lists of priorities that they need to work on. But how you monetize these players <coughs> that you know are good enough to be pros and are good enough to be pros at a, a good level, they're just not Celtic quality. There's a big gap there, I think, that, you know, could a bit of attention, a bit of work there, maybe have a loan manager try and work on that but you know it's something I've been talking about for a number of years yeah absolutely uh, interesting points and you know something we can always kind of keep an eye on uh, Scott Robertson as you say I think probably will go down and have a, a good career and uh, good luck to him um, Celtic take on Aberdeen on Saturday 12.30pm kickoff. Um it's a game between first and third Aberdeen are currently third in the oh, Premier League thank goodness there was a bit of panic there what? I thought we were going to say they were first it can exclusively reveal it can exclusively reveal uh, so yeah they've uh, played uh, 15 games won 8 drawn 1 they're uh, lost 6 29 goals 4-23 against uh, as- might I inquire just very briefly do you know when Aberdeen turn up if they wear suits or if they wear tracksuits they wear tracksuits and brogues it's oh a goodness. mixture of both. Um, it's a real tough game Saturday. Really tough game. Uh, I spoke to uh, a, um, a podcaster from the ABZ uh, Aberdeen podcast, and he was saying that Aberdeen at home are really, really good. In a way, they're absolutely appalling. Uh, so we're playing them at home. Um, 
It's interesting. Obviously, one of their one of their key players is uh, Liam Scales. Um, he's been performing really, really well for them. Um, they've been playing a back three. They might have to change that to go to a back four because he's going to be unavailable. Uh, well, as I say, we'll have a full preview on the Cynic.co, so check it out. How are you feeling going into this, Alan? What's your thoughts? It's a, it's a tough game to start back with, Aberdeen at Pataudry. It's it's always a, it's always an interesting game up there. I think if you were if you're Sky, you always look Aberdeen Celtic at Pataudry is one you always. I mean, you look at it over the last few years. There's a lot of goals there. Um, I, I, to be honest, I'd be sticking my finger up in the air. Just, I, I really don't know um, how we'll come back. There's, I think the break potentially came at a good time for us. Um, I think that there's players that have levels to go up, and particularly in the attacking sense. Um, and I think defensively, hopefully, we will be, if not on Saturday, very soon we'll be back to what is a kind of primo back four or back five. So, um, um, there's there's high potential for the game. It can always go your way up there, but there's always a potential it can be a really tough game. And as you mentioned, Aberdeen are capable over 90 minutes of putting in a really strong performance. Consistency is their real issue though. Um, and I think, I think I'd mentioned on Monday, I've seen them a few times recently, they can be in the game, very competitive in the middle area of the park. They will battle and they'll be quite happy to do the running in there. I think when you get behind that midfield and if you can have them facing their own goal, I think going at their, their defensive line, I would fancy our chances. Um, and I would go with a really brave lineup to expose that because I, I think there could be opportunities there. Um, and it could be a do, good day for us to, you know, create a lot of opportunities and score. But after such a long break, ideally you would be wanting a home game to maybe ease yourself back in, get players up to match sharpness. I know we had the friendly last weekend, but it's nothing like you know, it? the it real conditions. Bounce, bounce yeah. Game, all the um, but there is high potential and there's there's a big room for improvement in this squad, I think. Um, we're, we're in a great position, but I think this team can perform a lot better. And I think performance is, is the area where I, I think the team can do better. Results are largely very good. There's probably not a great deal of improvement there. There's a big improvement, I think, in performances to come from these players. And I, I don't doubt that Ange Postecoglou would, would think the same as well. Uh, your thoughts, Chris? Uh, Patoji, any kind of fears? Um You've always got to respect Aberdeen at Pataudry, no matter where they are as a side. Now, there are other grounds that I'm more nervous about going to because, I don't know, it just seems more dogged. Tanadice and Pataudry, um I look forward to going to those grounds. Good good the, Scottish football grounds, yeah. like, kind of big and we tend, And we tend to have success there, but you can't kind of just assume that we're going to. It's one of those games where you've... I'm always confident with Celtic play because obviously I think we're the best team in Scotland tonight. That goes without without saying this. Another exclusive. Being a, being a Celtic podcast and we're the league <laughs> champions and nine points clear. But um, it's one of those, I, I, I tend to agree with Alan as well. I think there's an opportunity there that we could, you know, come out the traps flying, you know, with the attacking talent we've got, well rested, worked on things, largely the whole squad. I mean, we're... Juranovic is obviously not going to be back but generally speaking a lot of our key players are going to be flying after a rest it's a game where I think that you set up with attack and intent and, tent and just go for it mm-hmm. obviously fingers crossed that the weather doesn't kind of uh, uh, <coughs> do anything about the game because you know the players will be ready to go and the last thing you want is that to be delayed again because I think what the next game will be Livingston on Wednesday yeah. which isn't he isn't it the most glamorous game in terms, in terms of coming back? So for me, I'm, I'm, you know, you've always got to respect it and understand, you know, that it's a difficult place to go to. But I'm still fairly confident that we can go up there and put on a display. You know, I'm looking at the. You know, we we don't know what's going to happen with the weather, obviously. But you know, looking at you know some of the dates and stuff. In January, we've got the League Cup semi. Uh, with the Scottish Cup starts. There's not a lot of dates, Alan. You wouldn't want that sort of backlog. You want this game done. No. I'd- I think as it stands, though, I think fairly confident the game will go ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, even somebody's got a weather up in the floor. <laughs> <laughs> even if it is minus, you know, minus six, minus seven, I think the grass will be okay. It's it's just if you maybe get issues travelling and travelling fans, etc. Um, but I think you you just prepare on the basis of the game's going ahead, and I think it will. Um, and like I said, I think the really important thing, and I, th- I think this is a, a playing squad that you can despite the fact that they've done so well to be in this position, I think you can definitely demand more from them. Um, there's players in there that I think we all think have a really high ceiling. This isn't a side that's probably at their peak age-wise. There's a lot of players in there who 
I think will want to kick on this next six months. Yeah. There's a lot of players that might be eyeing big moves, you know, down south. We talked about it earlier, and I know that, that that's not what you want to think about. But the way that you dangle that carrot is to say, well, you've got to perform here. You've got to show that you can do it consistently. Um, we don't have any big European games, so the only avenue you've got now is to, you know, go and hopefully tie up the league, but win a domestic treble, break records, do all the things that will garner the headlines because the standard's very high. You know, we've done it all before domestically over the last few years. So how how are you going to better that? And I think that's ideally what you want to see and what you want to kind of lay down the, the challenge for the players. And there's so many in there, Jota, Haxmanovich, O'Reilly, Hitati, that you actually think, yeah, they're good, but there's more in there. And that's the, I think that's the thing that's quite exciting. I'm expecting, I just get a feeling the second half of the season, I think O'Reilly's going to really kick on. I think he's been good, but I just don't know why. Based on nothing, but if it happens, I'm taking all the credit Instinct. for it. I think O'Reilly's going to have a huge second half of the season. I think the same about Haxabanovic. Do you know, um, I think I think Hugo is going to put in big numbers second half of the season. Oh, look, look at the three of us together. We, the, boom! If the I mean, if, if, if on. all three of them come on... <laughs> A game, then yeah, it will be good. No, I, I I do have a suspicion that I think Kyogo will use the disappointment of the kind of last couple of months, and he may well have been bitterly disappointed, obviously, to Cup. not go to the World Cup. But I think, and he hasn't been at his best. I, I think you've seen how good he is. Um, so he's my, and, and I know you didn't ask, but he's my tip for lock, lock lock of the second half of the season. Lock no, that's the, catchy. Lock of the second half of the season. Um, Aberdeen, as I mentioned, you know they've, the the forms have been up and down. They've performed really well at home. The last game was against uh, Dundee United at Petodre. Uh, they went three five two. They had Duke and uh, Majowski up front, uh, and Duke came from. Uh, I, I just picture your man from uh, what you call it, um, uh, Parks and Recreation. You know, with the Duke with the hat and the. I can never remember characters' names. Sorry, mate. Yeah, uh, Duke from Trading Places. Of course, yeah. Uh, but Duke apparently playing really, really well. Came through the Benfica youth team. He's a a young man they picked up. Who they were told they were told he was quite a, a raw talent uh, that they need to kind of mould. But he's hit the ground running. Um, they got a lot of they got a lot of uh, results by going three five and playing the two up top. You think that would give? What's your thoughts about our defence in regards to our good friend CCV? Do you think he'll play Alan? Yeah, I, I think he will. Um, the only issue with that would be if there has, he's maybe has a knock, but he, he did only play, I think, the one game. One game yeah. Obviously, it's the, the kind of psychological come down from it, which I know we talked a bit about on Monday, but I think he, I think he'll be good physically. And obviously, I think Andrew's press conference will be tomorrow. If he doesn't mention CCV has an injury, then I would, I would be very confident that it would be him and Carol Staffelt. I think you'd be very keen to get minutes into them both. Um, Staffelt came back before the World Cup break. Um, I would imagine he'd be ramping up. So I do think, aside from Juranovic, I think it will be uh, your primo backline. Um, so I'm very, very excited for that. Over yourself, Chrissy, any worries about Aberdeen? No, I just said no. Do you not just hear what I said five minutes ago? Just as in, like the, the cold is is really really impacted. <sighs> Brain freeze has really impacted them. No, I meant the actual team. I'm joking. Ah, I'm, I'm being a dick. It's, it's it's my shtick when I come on here to be a bit of a dick to you. But I'll stop it for Christmas. Thank you. Know, you. Seasons greetings and all that. Um, much the same. No, I, I think it will be the first choice eleven. Generally speaking, well, if we have a first choice eleven, but I think. Um, Minus Juranovic, I think we'll go with everybody. Really keen for Juranovic, sorry, not Juranovic, Starfelt and CCV to get some game time together. You know, there's been debate over, you know, you know, Jens, whatever else. For me, far and away, though they are the best partnership we've got. Not only that, I think they're an excellent partnership together. And uh, yeah, if we can get them working, you know, playing games throughout the second half of the season, I think that'll be a huge, huge thing to build success on. So what's the, are we confident that McGregor's going to start? I put him very much in the same boat as CCV. Um, Again, hear from the manager tomorrow, but played last week, seems to have come through it well. You know, he he was training in Australia. Yeah, I think you go with your captain there. Um, Ideally, we'll be in a position where we can rest him for the last 30 minutes, but that might be just a wee bit much. He, he is another one of the ones, though, that doesn't really come off as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I noticed that, that he's, his impact is more than just as a player in the park. It's His presence on the park, I think, is one that he's the, he raises the standards. Um, 
Forward three, um, you've obviously mentioned uh, Kyogo, um, and you've mentioned the fact that you know you think he's going to kick on, Alan. Sermani, Kyogo, let's say Kyogo starts. Who's your two wide players, Jota and or? Because we mentioned Haksibanovic and how well he performed at the kind of playing in a couple of different positions. What's your thoughts on the front three for, for Aberdeen? Uh, 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 there's still this issue, I think, that a wee bit, you know, the right hand side, you know, unless you're going to put Jota there where I think he's less effective than he, than he is on the left hand side, I think you're a wee bit down on Haksibanovic, you know, the options that we've got on the left if you're going between Abada and Forrest. I would take a punt and say that he'll start Abada. Um, on the right hand side, go with Kyogo and Jota. Um, but it's for me the best front three players we've got are probably Jota, Haksabanovic, and Kyogo. And it's it's just, but the thing is, see when you when you accommodate Jota on the right, I do think you lose something from. Him. I I just you know the Ross County game, the last game, Haksabanovic was so good, mm-hmm. and I. I I, I'd probably these do. Are good, these are good options to have. These are good problems yeah. to have. I think I do maybe agree slightly, though, with Abada. I, I think, given that you'll have likely Ralston at right back, I, I think there might be a slight tendency to go with Abada um, just for that, maybe that bit of energy. I think Haksibanovic, he, he, he does play like he's a luxury player, and he is a luxury, but I think I, I get the impression it might be. Jota on the left, who has an incredible record up at Pataudry with um, Kyogo and, and Abada. Um, but again, I'm starting to come round to the idea that not to kick off when the team gets announced because it's not about necessarily the team that starts the game. The team that finishes the game is maybe equally as important, which is something a year ago I would have <laughs> scoffed at as no. some nonsense suggestion. Um, but actually, it, it does seem that there's been a way largely in Angie's time here. Um, look, th- this is currently... 10 past 8 on the Thursday. We don't know what happens moving on, but it's 1-0 Hibs. So, yes, it is. It's, it's Goal alerts on a recorded podcast is um, <laughs> quite the idea. I'm sure that'll catch. Um, but yes, let's see what happens from there. Uh, but yeah, so what's your predictions for, for Aberdeen uh, Celtic? Sorry, we're, we're just watching a replay of that Hibs uh, opener. Cracking defending, by the way. Oh, big Porto. Um, what's... I knew I shouldn't have put this on. <laughs> Uh, That's what distracted Samani earlier as well, so yes. that explains it. What's your predictions for Saturday? It doesn't have to be the score, it can just be something, you know, the, a goal scorer or an instant that you think will happen. What's your prediction? A I, prediction? I think Jota will score, because he loves it up there. I think it's going to be an open game, and I think he is the type of player that shines in that. He, he, he is a big game player, and this is a big game for us. Um, yeah, I, I think Jota's going to have a big game, and I think he'll... he'll score and I, I do think we'll win but that said entirely with my finger in the air because I haven't seen this properly for five weeks well, so that's it isn't it um, but Jota to have a big game um, yeah how important is it for a good start so many um, I think it's important to set the tone just in terms of we're well rested and we're back and I, I hope and think that is exactly what we'll do I think we'll, we'll name an attacking lineup and um, come out of traps so I mean in terms of how important it is I mean it's I always like that's important, as I said, you know, to kind of get yourself on the front foot. Winning the game's obviously the most important thing, but for me, I, 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 I do think it's almost like, right, we're ready. And that's what I'd like to see us do. I'd like to see us come out and just go for the jugular. One wee prediction from you. A Matt O'Reilly screamer. The, the two goals he scored, I know it was a, a behind a bounce game, but the two goals he scored for, um, against... Uh, who were we playing, sorry? Ren. 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 Just technique, superb man, I'd, absolutely superb. I think it was one thing he flagged up, um, that he, he was frustrated he wasn't scoring more goals when he was playing in the eight, so it is clearly something that he, you know, Him determined marks himself against. Want to prove a point, a player like that really want to prove a point, I think yeah. has got all the hallmarks for something terrific for the second half of the season. Uh, we've got Livingston on the Wednesday the 21st, uh, get St Johnston on Saturday uh, the 24th December, um, obviously that's for Christmas Eve, just, then we're going to Easter Road. Just, I must say I'm disappointed there's no Boxing Day game, that's, yeah. you know, Christmas Eve, half 12, mm, much prefer a Boxing Day game. Just um, this is a shout out to the SPFL fixture creators or creators is that the right word? Do you know what I mean? Uh, nah, next year Boxing Day, please. 
lovely stuff. Uh, we've got a preview of the, the Aberdeen game uh, in detail that will be dropping at midday on Friday. We also have a reaction coming up straight after the game on Saturday with uh, myself, uh, Stuart Duggan and Eddie Walsh. Oof. And we've got a great feature uh, on, on Sunday as well. So if you're interested in daily Celtic content covering the, the club from all angles, check us out, thecynic.co. Uh, and yeah, Chris Armani, it's been an absolute pleasure. Good to be back. Good that the Celtic are back. Let's hope Hibs continue to win this game. <laughs> and uh, thanks very much. Lovely. Uh, Alan Edgar. Oh, thanks very much for having me. I'm looking forward to it and I'll speak to you next week. Alan's going to Cork, so if anyone's got any bar recommendations <laughs> or things to do, just uh, tweet us at 90 Minute Cynic and uh, we'll pass them on to him. That's uh, not even a joke, genuinely. I, I would love that. Yeah, that'd be good. I, I take a recommendation very highly and I take it very seriously. He really does that, you know. He'll either give you massive praise or a bollocking. Well, you don't joke about when it comes to pubs, mate. You don't joke about when it comes to pubs. Can agree more. Uh, from Chris Amani, pleasure as always. From Alan Edgar, enjoy your trip away. I'm Chris Gallagher. This has been the Cynic Weekly, and we'll speak to you down the road.